Uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus and all that he has accomplished for us by coming into this world and living for us and then dying for us so that we can be saved, given life and set free. And as we consider these things this evening, we pray you'd help me as I speak and that the Spirit would take these words and apply them to the hearts of all gathered here in order to build us up in Christ and to show us more of him. Father, we pray these things in our Saviour's name. Amen. Have your Bible open there at the opening verses of Deuteronomy chapter 16. We've had a couple of visiting speakers recently in the evening services, and so it's been a little while since we were last in Deuteronomy, but we're picking up this evening where we left off last time, and we come this evening to a new section of the book. We find now Moses teaching the people of Israel about three different annual feasts in the Hebrew calendar. So firstly, there's the feast of Passover with also unleavened bread, joined together with that, as we shall see. And then secondly, the feast of weeks. And then thirdly, the feast of booths. And there were, of course, many other uh, feasts in the Hebrew calendar. But these were the three, three we find in Deuteronomy 16, where all the adult males throughout Israel had to gather together at the tabernacle or the temple. And in our next three sermons starting tonight, we'll take these three feasts one by one and we'll have a look at what they involved, uh, what these things meant, and as well as that, how they speak to us as God's people today. And we're going to start with, therefore, the Feast of Passover this evening. And I'm sure you're well aware of the origins of this particular feast. It finds its origins, of course, in the story of the Exodus. And chapter 12 of the book of Exodus in particular Back in those days when the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt, suffering under the oppression of the Pharaoh, they cried out to their God, and God heard their cries. And the Lord remembered his promises to his people, and God moved in order to bring them out of that slavery and to gather them to himself. But how exactly would God do that? Well, of course, he raised up Moses, through whom he would deliver his people. And he sent Moses to go and speak to Pharaoh, that the Pharaoh might let the Israelites go, and so that they could leave Egypt and worship their God. But Pharaoh kept on saying no, time and time again. And so one by one, God sent a series of plagues against the Egyptians. And still, time after time, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He would not let 
his, the people of Israel go. And so God said he would send the tenth, the final plague against Egypt, which was the worst of all. And the tenth plague was, of course, the death of the firstborn. And yet God provided for his people a way in which they could be safe from that judgment of God that would descend on the land of Egypt. And each household of the Israelites was to take a lamb. And this is what the Lord said they must do with it. We read in Exodus 12, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. And so by faith in God's promise of safety in the face of this coming judgment, this is what the Israelite households did. And each household selected a lamb from their flock. And as the sun went down, they killed the lamb on the 14th day of the first month, the month of Abib on their calendar. And they smeared the blood of those lambs around the doorposts of their homes, just like God had said to them. Then having sacrificed the lamb, they they then had a meal together as a family. In that house with the blood smeared above the door, they ate the roasted lamb. They ate it, of course, late at night, having slaughtered the lamb only at sundown, and then roasted it for however long that takes, and then eating it late into the evening. They ate it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And as God had instructed them, they ate it as well with their belt fastened, with sandals on their feet, and with their staff in their hand. In other words, they ate it in haste, ready to go. And that night, just as God had warned, God's judgment in the tenth plague came to the land of Egypt. And yet those who had done what God had said were saved from it. And God had already given the promise to them, I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood, that is the blood of the Passover lambs, shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And you see, in effect, those Passover lambs were considered a substitute 
for the firstborn in the Israelite homes. So rather than the firstborn dying, the Passover lamb died in their place as their substitute. And the firstborn was saved, therefore, from the judgment of God. That night they were set free from their slavery after 430 years of being afflicted there. They left their slavery behind. They came out of Egypt and they were gathered together before God as his people. It is the most significant act of redemption in all of the Old Testament. And it was so significant that God therefore told Moses that the Passover was something that they must celebrate every year thereafter. And he said to Moses, this day shall be for you a memorial day and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Well, that's the background of all of this and it brings us then to these words in Deuteronomy chapter 16. And it's almost 40 years later and Moses is saying to the people of Israel now, when you get into the promised land, which you're about to enter, and when you settle down into life there in the land, this is something that God commands you to do and to keep on doing. You must keep the Passover, observe it every year, just like God had told us to way back in Exodus chapter 12, those years ago. And so every year, when the anniversary of the first Passover came around, they must observe the Passover. That's what Moses is saying here, isn't it? Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. And so as we look at what Moses has to say here, I want us to consider it from three different angles, really. Firstly, what did they do in order to observe the Passover? What actually are the instructions that Moses gives uh, here? And then secondly, why did they do these things? What's the reason for the instructions? And then thirdly, we'll consider how do these things apply to us as God's people today? So first of all, what did they do? to observe the Passover. And I want you to notice that there are two main elements to the, the Passover celebrations. There is the Passover sacrifice and there is the Passover meal. A sacrifice and a meal. Those are the two simple elements of the Passover celebrations. So we'll take those one by one. Firstly, the Passover sacrifice. And within each household, the, the husband must select a lamb which is going to be the Passover lamb for him and for his household that particular year. And it must be a male lamb. It must be without blemish. It must fulfill the requirements for being a sacrifice before the Lord. And that lamb they would take into their home and it must be then slaughtered as a sacrifice. Now they're not just to slaughter it anywhere at all. Look at what Moses says in verse 2. You shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God from the flock or the herd at the place that the Lord will choose to make his name dwell there. 
as we were thinking about on Wednesday evening in our prayer gathering, when Moses in the book of Deuteronomy talks about the place that the Lord will choose, when he uses that phrase, which he does many times in the book of Deuteronomy. It's really shorthand for saying, wherever God at that time in history has told you to put the tabernacle, or alternatively after that, wherever he's told you to build the temple, that is the place where God, in a special sense, will come to dwell amongst you, and where he can be worshipped by you. And that is the place where the sacrifices must be offered before God. Then in verses 5 and 6, Moses underlines the importance of the place where the Passover lambs will be sacrificed. And as well as that, he as well emphasizes the time when the sacrifices should be offered. Notice both of those things in verses 5 and 6, the time and the place. He says, you may not offer the Passover sacrifice within any of your towns that the Lord your God is giving you, but at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell in it, there you shall offer the Passover sacrifice. In the evening, at sunset, at the time you came out of Egypt. And so at the exact anniversary, when the Passover lambs were slaughtered back in Egypt at the first Passover, That is when the Passover lambs must be slaughtered. At sunset on the 14th of Abib. You can imagine all the Jewish men throughout the people of Israel making their journey to Jerusalem for the Passover sacrifice. They've all got a little lamb in tow. And they're all journeying to Jerusalem. They're doing so in order to arrive maybe a few days before the 14th of Abib, so that they're there in time to make the necessary arrangements for the Passover. And on the 14th of Abib itself, they all head to the temple with their lambs. And as the sun sets, there they are in the temple courts. And as the sun goes down, all the Passover lambs there are sacrificed before the Lord in the place where he had chosen And that brings us then to the second aspect of the celebrations. We've seen the sacrifice, and then there's the meal as well. And just like the Israelites back in Egypt had to sit down for that late night meal of roast lamb on the night of the very first Passover, Moses says in a similar way, a meal was to feature in the ongoing observance of the Passover in the years ahead. They were to eat a meal just like the meal that the Israelites had eaten on that night. As verse 7 points out, they were to cook and eat the Passover lamb in the vicinity of the temple courts, the place that God had chosen. They were to eat it late into the evening. The Passover meal would go on into the, the small hours of the morning. And only after they'd eaten the meal could they then go back to their tents the next morning? Now, presumably what Moses means there is that imagine a man who's traveled a long way to get to Jerusalem for the Passover, and such people would probably have stayed in tents around Jerusalem on the outskirts of the city. And uh, the next morning, as the worshippers leave the temple courts, they would go back to these tents, And I imagine that they would then catch up on some lost sleep if you've been awake all night. 
And as well as that, if you've eaten a lot of roast lamb, a sleep is probably what you need at that moment, isn't it? So dawn would break the next morning and they would all head back to their tents. The Passover sacrifice had been offered. The Passover meal had been eaten. And notice a couple of other things that Moses mentions here about the Passover meal. He says, none of the flesh of the Passover lamb must be left over until the next morning. He says it must all be eaten. And as we find elsewhere in the law, anything that they couldn't eat must be burned up. Nothing must just be left out till the next morning. Well, why is that? And most commentators would say this is to do with a symbolism of purity. Especially in a, a hot climate like that, you don't want to leave cooked meat out for several hours. You shouldn't do in our climate either, by the way. But especially in a climate like that, you don't want to leave cooked meat out for several hours throughout the night to the next morning. Because, of course, it would start to go off. And so Moses says, don't leave it out. What you can't eat, burn it. Nothing must be left over. And you see it's this imagery of, of purity in the Passover sacrifice. This is a pure sacrifice before the Lord. And also there's this emphasis on the eating of unleavened bread. When they ate that Passover meal that night, the bread that they ate with it had to be unleavened. That is, without any yeast in it. And as well as that, the Passover celebrations give way to the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, maybe this is a little bit confusing at first, but what's happening here, Moses is combining two different feasts here in what he says in verses 1 to 8. There's the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They're two different feasts, but they belong together because they're very closely related and because one runs into the other. Passover, the 14th of Abib, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is then the next week, the 15th to the 21st of Abib. And for that whole trail, must not eat any bread or not eat bread with any yeast in it. And then on the final day, the 21st, there is a solemn assembly as God's people gather together and worship God. And no one does any work on that day. Now, what's the significance of all of this unleavened bread? And again, it's intended to remind people of that first Passover, their flight from Egypt. And they ate unleavened bread because you can make it quickly. You don't need to leave it to rise. And it reminds them of the fact that that first Passover was eaten quickly, eaten in haste so that they could get out of Egypt that very night. Moses says, seven days you shall eat it with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste. And so these are the two main elements of the Passover celebrations as Moses teaches them here in Deuteronomy 16. There's a Passover sacrifice and there's a Passover meal. And the next question is, well, if, if that's the instructions, if that's what the people of Israel were to do, why did they have to do that? What is the point of them observing this annual Passover sacrifice and meal? And the answer is that it's all about remembrance. I wonder if you're the, the kind of person who has a good memory. You're the kind of person who maybe is good at remembering important dates like 
birthdays or anniversaries and, and that kind of thing. I must admit I'm not the best at that. You can ask Mary, uh, but I'm not the best at that. Well, God knows that his people uh, are often spiritually forgetful. And what I mean by that is that the truths of what God has done for us can slip to the back of our mind or maybe even can slip out of our minds. And it's true, isn't it, that in the Christian life, forgetfulness leads to faithlessness. Forget what God has done for you. And very soon, you will start to drift away from him. We sang, didn't we, at the start, Psalm 78. And we sang that psalm because it underlines this point for us. The importance of passing on and remembering these truths so that we don't forget and don't become faithless. That's what Psalm 78 is all about, really. Reminding God's people of the story of what God has done for them so that they don't drift into faithlessness. And that's the point here, isn't it? God is reminding his forgetful people of what he has done for them. He wants to remind them of the great story of the Passover and the Exodus. Way back in Exodus 12, that was the reason that God gave for these Passover celebrations. He says to Moses, this day shall be for you a memorial day. and You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. It's a day to remember what God has done. Notice again that that theme of remembering is underlined by Moses here at the end of verse 3. That all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. So the reason given for the Passover celebrations both in Exodus and in Deuteronomy is remembrance. Remembering what God has done for you. And so year after year, as the people of Israel offered the Passover sacrifices and then ate the Passover meal, and then as they ate the unleavened bread for the next seven days as well, it would serve as this God-given reminder for them of all that God had done for them. How God, through the Passover lambs, kept his promise that he would keep his people safe from judgment. Because this lamb was a substitute in their place. And how as a result of that, he brought them out of their slavery in Egypt, brought them to himself as his people, his treasured possession. This is why the Passover was important. God reminds his people, and by reminding them, keeps his people faithful, builds them up in their faith. And that brings us to our final question this evening, and that is, well, how does all of this apply to us as God's people today? Well, let's take those two main elements of the Passover celebrations that we've seen this evening. There's a Passover sacrifice and a Passover meal. And we'll take those things one by one. Uh, So first of all, see this, that the sacrifice of the Passover lambs points us to the death of Jesus. The sacrifice of the Passover lambs points us to the death of Jesus. And as we've seen, the Passover lambs slaughtered in Egypt that night were in effect substitutionary sacrifices. That is, they died in the place of the firstborn. 
in order to shield the firstborn from that coming judgment of God and by so doing then to set them free from their slavery. And you see, it's all pointing to the death of Jesus. Of course, a lamb can't really stand in your place. A lamb can't really save you from God's coming judgment. A lamb can't really set you free. It's all a picture, it's all a shadow, and it's pointing to the reality which is Jesus and his death. And just as thousands upon thousands of Passover lambs over the years had been taken to Jerusalem to be sacrificed there at Passover before the Lord, so Jesus himself, in roughly the year AD 33, he journeyed to Jerusalem. Think of that middle section of the Gospel accounts. Luke chapter 9 through Luke chapter 19, for example. It's all about Jesus journeying to Jerusalem. And what is he saying to his disciples at different points along that journey? He tells them, doesn't he, why they're going to Jerusalem. He says, I'm going there to die. I'm going there to be put to death. And he did so as the Passover lamb. And according to God's foreordained plan, you know that Jesus arrived in Jerusalem at the end of that journey, just a few days before the Passover. He got the time right. And then on the 14th of Abib, he was put to death on a cross as a substitutionary sacrifice. That is, he died under the judgment of God. And he did so willingly. And he did so in order to save all of his people from it and to set them free from their slavery to sin. And that's why Paul can say in 1 Corinthians 5, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And let me ask you, where are you putting your confidence ahead of that coming judgment of God against sin? And in Egypt on that night at the first Passover, if you were a firstborn, there was only one place that you could be safe. And that was to be found sheltering underneath the blood of a Passover lamb. Now, when God's greater judgment comes at the end of this age, there is only one place to be found safe. And that is to be found sheltering underneath the blood of our Passover lamb. Who is Jesus? That is to have put all of your trust in him as the one who through his death will save you from God's judgment and set you free from your slavery to sin. I wonder, is that where your trust is this evening? That you're sheltering under the blood of Christ who is our Passover lamb. So the sacrifice of the Passover lambs points us to the death of of Jesus. And then finally, the Passover meal is fulfilled in the Lord's Supper. Fulfilled in the Lord's Supper. And the night before he was crucified, Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples and he shared this Passover meal with them for one last time. 
Remember how he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. That's what they were in that upper room for. It was for this Passover meal. And then partway through the meal, Jesus explained to his disciples the full significance of what the Passover is really about and how ultimately it's all about him. Luke describes it this way. He says, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. You see, the Passover meal is fulfilled in the Lord's Supper. And just as the Passover meal was God's way of reminding his people again and again of what he had done for them in the redemption that they experienced at the Exodus through the death of the Passover lambs. So also, the Lord's Supper is the way that God reminds his people again and again of the redemption that we have experienced through the death of Christ as we partake of these elements, the bread and the wine, in remembrance of him. And you see, all of the Passover is fulfilled in Jesus and what he has done, isn't it? What's Passover about? What is the celebration about? Well, Moses says here, it's about a sacrifice, and it's about a meal. And in the fullness of time, and in the fullness that came with Christ, we would see that these things are fulfilled. Firstly, in the Lord's death. And then secondly, in the Lord's supper. Because he is our Passover lamb. And he has been sacrificed for us. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for all that we see of Christ that is foreshadowed in the Passover. And we thank you and praise you for that sacrifice because, as Paul tells us, Christ is our Passover lamb. He is the one who died as our substitute, willingly undergoing your judgment against our sin so that we who deserve your judgment would be saved from it and so that we could be set free from our slavery to sin. We thank you for the death of Christ and the wonderful redemption that he has accomplished for us. And we thank you that Jesus has given to us the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, which fulfills the Passover meal. We thank you that it is the means by which we are reminded again and again of the redemption accomplished for us by Jesus. We thank you for how it points us to Christ's body and blood given for us at the cross. And we pray that you would help us always to remember and always to have at the very forefront of our mind what Jesus, our Passover lamb, has done for us. In his name, we pray all of these things. Amen.